Welcome to Luthiers and Legacy Show, a podcast created especially for fine violin makers and luthiers obsessed with creating top quality instruments for their musicians. My name is Dimitri Badyarov. I'm a violin maker, former professional musician turned award-winning speaker, business coach and mentor. I'm best known for the revival of the ancient master's acoustic concepts and the rebirth of the violoncello da Spalla. And today I am passionate about helping open-minded instrument makers to create instrument making businesses they will love and keep the ancient master's acoustic concepts alive. Regardless whether you have been in the profession for decades or you're just starting out, it is time for you to shake things up. It is time to make an even bigger difference and it is time to start creating a legacy at Bench. So without further ado, let's crack on, let's get started with today's show. This is a live broadcast exclusively for the Spala community on Facebook and our super special guest is Sergei Malov. And all you know, Sergei has expanded the violoncello da Spala far beyond its historical boundaries of Baroque repertoire. And um, honestly, I've been uh, dreaming about um, inviting Sergei to uh, to help you, the violoncello da Spala pioneers, to master the instrument in the quickest, fastest, and the most professional, most efficient way possible. And I was thinking, I was pondering, maybe one day when there are many violoncello da Spala pioneers we can create a wonderful full immersion workshop somewhere in a beautiful location in Italy, in Spain, in Portugal, in Fiji, in Bali, you name it, some nice place but then of course Covid hit and 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 then finally I, I just suddenly thought why not host a very simple live broadcast with Sergei in this group and well, Sergei very generously um, accepted the idea, so this is really fantastic. Um, so here we are, and uh, today we are literally here to, to help you. So you have the opportunity to ask any questions uh, to me, to Sergei, and um, about anything related to violoncello da Spala, playing, making, uh, repertoire, promoting literally anything you want to ask and uh, remember this is something very important i want to uh, stress uh, enough i find the most fascinating thing about violoncello spala is that it is not just an instrument it's not just a tiny cello with amazing sound it is something far better for um, for us, for many violoncello spal pioneers, has been really a way of life, a philosophy, a culture, so to speak, a culture of keeping that culture in classical music alive. So, um, friends, please um, warmly welcome the one and only Sergei Malov to our virtual stage. Since we cannot hear your applause, you are welcome to express yourself by typing welcome in the comments or something like this. Um, hello, Steve. Hello, Rui. Hello, once again, Magnus and Sergei. Very warm welcome. Thank you. Happy to join. Fantastic. So before we begin, Sergei, um, I would like to ask our audience, uh, those who are already joining, those who will be joining a little bit later, um, please type in the comment M for maker and P for player so that we can tailor our content accordingly. I can see those people who are already online, they are mainly players, potentially there will be some makers joining. So that would be very useful if you um, type, uh, if you introduce yourself. All right, so um, Sergey, let's do it. Yep. Yeah, 
I would like to ask you, uh, what is your story behind Vilchilda Spala? How did you come across with Vilchilda Spala for the first time? Yeah, by simple coincidence. It was someone showing me this uh, funny, uh, funny guy playing indeed a little cello on the shoulder. And I realized that it was not at all funny for me, but rather kind of a dream coming true. So I picked up a viola mainly for, for researching and playing and exploring the cello suite by Bach. And the ease I could play them on viola compared to the difficulty that I was hearing while listening to recordings on a big violoncello just just raised some questions and left some hopes open and so all that basically just resulted in that uh, in that incidental video that i was shown and i realized that i can even easier contact you because we met approximately well by then it's already almost 10 years but by then it was yeah. another 20 years back yeah. where we met where you just fixed a little bit on my children on my child violin in leningrad still maybe it was still probably leningrad uh, so it was a really fantastic so i like to call it bridge uh, from the past and i just climbed this bridge and all well after that all went quite smoothly well I my very my greatest concern was about whether I can bring the instrument after it's done of course uh, in the plane without buying an extra ticket and if okay. that was the case well till now I I didn't have to buy one single extra ticket for my violoncello as well even though I I travel normally at least with two instruments, so a violin alongside it. So that was, since that was done, there was no more kind of, no more limitation, no more concern. Oh, that's very good to hear that you never had any troubles with traveling with Vilanchal well, Despal, because but... I hear some musicians uh, concerned with uh, they will be able to get the instrument on board uh, in the airplane. Yeah. You can always pretend that you kind of, you protect your violin. <laughs> of course, and please never, never call it by its name violoncello because it works very differently for the flight. Very true. That's very smart, actually. Um, I discovered it also very early in my career when I was still performing in violoncello de Spala, traveling and checking in when somebody at the check-in counter the personnel of an airline asked what that instrument was. I never said it is a violoncello. I said, well, it's a viola or violin. Okay, if it's a violin or viola, no problem. If it's cello, well, no you know. Exactly. Well, that's Good. understandable. In Russia, it's a different thing. You have to say it's a guitar and then the custom ah. customs doesn't have any, any further questions to you. That really works. Oh, interesting. Well, yes. Some that. subtleties, local subtleties, how you travel with instruments to Russia. If it's <laughs> violin or violoncello da Spala, at least you have yeah, to say yeah, it's a guitar. That's... Interesting. So when you discovered the violoncello da Spala, what was your first reaction? What was your first impression? Oh, well, as I, as I mentioned, it was just, just unbelievable. So in my, well, exactly in my dreams, kind of, well, 
thinking how is it possible to kind of to bring this ease what I would have on Viola playing the cello suites by Bach. Okay. Bringing it one octave lower. So yeah. they, I just thought of some electrical, well, octaving things, but it's still, well, then you, then you ah, lose okay. the, then you lose the original sound and that's not anymore what I, what I was after. And then you just came up with that super easy and super elegant solution that well, the instrument is bigger, but through the belt you still can have it next to you, and it's still more or less the same way that I was okay. used to. So it was no, not much of a problem learning it on a kind of a similar level that I would, I would expect from myself on violin and viola. Yeah, and well, then just. Yeah, the concerts and the interest for this instrument came by themselves, by another sheer coincidence. I just sent you a, a recording that was that I was absolutely unhappy with because it was totally unsync. And uh, I was playing the instrument maybe for one month and doing that just for myself to sort of compare in 10 years how it will develop. But it was enough for you to kind of to share it for a couple of hours on, on Facebook and then and then uh, after a couple of days there were tens of thousands of, of views and I didn't actually realize it, it was not my channel I couldn't count, the guy, absolute amateur in, in music video making told me well, look, <laughs> your video gets pretty viral on my channel, some things it was a total surprise for me and then a couple of, I don't know, days, week after I just had a couple of concerts offers with that and since fantastic ever since it, it goes approximately the same way yeah fantastic yeah we well, shall the spala the journey yeah that uh, <laughs> so what are you, the reactions of um, uh, people who have seen you with this uh, instrument in the very beginning of your career uh, well with it yeah that's that, that that i have to mention i well i was not able i was i didn't have the money for that at all so i have to i had to borrow it from many different people telling them what that's a kind of uh, this little fat new thing it was not at all clear if whether i could kind of earn it back or at all earn something with that yeah but it was kind of out of out of question for me so i thank for all trust of my friends and family who just who just helped me out that way i was uh, to buy the instrument yeah, to sort yeah, of to, okay. well, I won a couple of competitions. Yeah, uh, yeah. that very year, yeah. so there was no no yeah. problem of of yeah. giving it back, and also by winning that violin competitions, I could uh, in the following concert engagements <laughs> also introduce the violoncello da spalla, since uh, anyway was pretending and was clearly mm -hmm. going for this at least two instrument uh, profile, so to say. But yeah. indeed, well, that was the, the cool thing about it, that I wasn't thinking at all in this career way, but just just so such a thrilling musical solution. And, and it, was, yeah, it was a big surprise that it went so, so quick. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, so it, when you got your first um, uh, concert invitations, how did you feel about this? 
the first well, proposals that one month after you posted on Facebook. It's thrilling because it's really never I've never pl played it in public and well I was lucky there was there's this fantastic festival called Le Vacances de Monsieur Aydin in uh -huh. La Roche Posay in France, guided yeah. by a great cellist called Jérôme Pernon. And there are basically two festivals going parallel. A festival in so called with the professionals and and basically tickets sold for the concerts and chamber music and festival out where amateur musicians, students, whatever crazy projects would come and, and uh, fill that uh, little village with music by, by playing their program in different places in different times. So basically for a weekend or almost a week the, the village turns into a complete incredible full of music festival so i just asked whether jerome could just put me in that festival out uh -huh. program where i can without any pressure uh, try the well obviously the sixth uh, cello suite out it was super difficult i I've struggled quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> there were no fitting strings because they were no yeah well, I wasn't used to it <laughs> but shortly after that well basically just straight from there from France I went to Japan and played a couple of true I recall that, that yeah was, That's uh, a... that was difficult but it was quite clear that well the the interest is there and <laughs> the expectation uh, yeah was what what can you say it's not low and high it's just it's nothing you yeah. see the instrument for the first time and it's still the same the most of the people commenting on my videos or coming into the concert would say oh i'll never see something like that so that's still a big 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 potential yeah. for us to kind of uh, to to make to make the instrument known and then what happens then then it would be great if it would just become a part of a normal mu musical life nobody is getting tired of a violin of a cello of a piano so no problem when the surprise effect is gone because it's worth also more than just um, being a surprise. That's very true. It's more than being a surprise, although it will still be a very long time until uh, this thing is just as common as a piano or a, or a violin. Oh. But your story that you have just shared brings definitely brings memory. You're very right. Yet now we recall that in the very <laughs> beginning we had these funny uh, issues with strings. So when I was playing on my violoncello spell on this one, so uh, certain tones were really difficult, like the G string was quite dull and very tricky to play and there was like, mm, it was dark and not so responsive. So I remember that I had to um, trick this irresponsiveness and this muffled sound into something that I could pretend to be intended artistic effect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was not working for me. Yeah. <laughs> we're still, yeah. But then we were lucky to have, well, high-tech yeah. yeah. people also interested in developing that with very true yes now we have uh, the automatic strings which make it really an autopilot playing really so easy and of course but also uh, let's mention Mimo of course That's Mimo the, yes, uh, the legendary from Aquila strings who made the first strings for you obviously true who, yeah who just gave the voice to the instrument and how absolutely true amazing that he did this next step uh, without yeah. any gut 
he just uh, well he tried out something completely modern and and just achieved a fantastic result for the <laughs> bass strings that is just unbelievable. I want to share one story of a surprise. We were on a concert tour in Lapit with Lapitid Band in Japan, and I don't remember what exactly it was. I think it was in Osaka. So we were preparing for the performance and um, backstage uh, somewhere on the staircase. I remember I was practicing my instrument on the staircase and I heard the steps. Somebody was coming up from downstairs. So the, the person who was coming up, he didn't see me and I didn't see him. But when he turned, he uh, literally bumped into me. Uh, he was carrying a violoncello case. He was obviously a cellist and he was expecting 100% to see a cello player sitting and practicing um, a cello suite. And when, when he saw me, <laughs> the reaction on his face it is, <laughs> was like, what is going on here? What is this instrument? What? <laughs> He's never seen anything like this. Imagine the surprise. For sure. Yeah. Happened many, yeah, happened many times. <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. Um. <laughs> so, I'm see. I saw a comment about me being too soft. I just tried to do something about it. I hope it's better. Yes, let's oh. try it. I am going to check what comments, what questions do we have in the group. So here we are. Uh, ciao, Mimo. Very nice to see you here. Hello, Rui, uh, Steve, um, Koji, of course. Welcome. So, guys, if you have any questions uh, around anything to do with Vilanchel Despal, you're very much warm welcome. And yes, yeah, Sergey, if you don't mind, I will share that story of creating strings uh, with uh, Mimo for the Vilanchel Despal. So, that was quite. Uh, uh, quite a story, a nearly hilarious drama. It was like a, a tragic comedy, if you will. So the instrument was ready in the white, just like that Vilanchel Despal there behind. So you see this instrument there yeah. in the white. So it was strung and it was strung with strings made by um, Mimo, of course. And uh, um, uh, during the process, during the making of the uh, in instrument, the instrument was not there yet. So I had to test uh, Mimos string on whatever instrument I had, and I was testing them on a viola. That's the only thing that I had. It was a viola. I just moved the bridge as low down towards the tailpiece as I could so that I could get the string length. Fine. Okay. So I was testing all those strings on the viola, and they sounded, at that moment, they sounded just fine. Wonderful. And I was so happy. I wrote Mimo. You remember this Mimo for sure. The strings work on the viola, on the violoncello, the spalla, they will surely work even better. So there comes the day. I string the instrument with uh, strings, that white violoncello, the spalla, the first one I made for Sigisval Kerrigan, and I discovered that the strings were not working at all, or the violoncello, the spalla was not working at all, or both, or something. And I was in panic. It was around midnight. I called Mimo <laughs> in the panic. Okay, Mimo, what shall we do right now? And uh, and Mimo answered, Dimitri, you know, without seeing the instrument, I can't really say what's going on. Can you be, can you come to Vicenza in, to Italy so that we can work together? So the next morning I landed in Vicenza and we've been working uh, with um, Mimo and uh, for three days, uh, literally three days, nonstop, we created 
incredible number of strings testing this and that and this and that and and there were all kinds of technical puzzles to solve because this is a very unusual instrument and definitely a normal strings like from a normal cello or a normal viola they will not work has to be custom made for that instrument and they are unusual strings so there is not much experience there was not much experience for any in making these strings uh, so uh, we worked very hard and at the very last moment, um, yeah, there were still very, very big um, issues and uh, Mimo shared, well, Dimitri, no, I'm 100% sure we can create these strings, but maybe not now, we just don't have enough time and tomorrow you are flying back to Brussels. Well, I felt devastated, I felt terrible because I had appointment already with Sigiswald, so he was coming to meet his violoncello das Pal, and I hope that it would just work wonderfully but it didn't work. And at 3 a.m., uh, Mimo woke me up and uh, he said, Dimitri, wake up, I have some idea. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was February. It was February. It was full moon. It was misty. It was beautiful. Freezing cold. And we tiptoed from, um, from, from the apartment down to this very large room of Aquila Corde Harmonica with all kinds of machines, you know, that were... Uh, to put the wire on the strings and these frames for stretching guts. And we started making strings. Then finally they were made. We struck the instrument, I started playing and it just sounded. And we felt so emotional. We were almost cried like children. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, yeah, this just coming back to that story of uh, uh, strings. Wow. Yeah. So guys, um, excuse me, Sergey. just before we continue, hi guys, in the audience, makers in the audience, if there are any makers in the audience listening to this, if you want to build an offer of Vilanchal Daspala to the musicians in your country or any country of your choice, and you would like to use the uh, tested, proven model that the one the one I have created for Sergey um, and for Sigiswal Kagan, for Rita Rakadan, just simply comment VDS, uh, VDS Consult. Comment VDS Consult, Vionchel Despala Consult in the comments. We will get in touch that I will. I know that you are a maker and you are interested in doing that. All right. Uh, well, Sergey, let's continue. And um, so very initially, when you started performing on stage as Vionchelis Despala, Despala, what were the, what was the general reception uh, of this big novelty because, yeah, you are a pioneer and no one have ever seen that. So was it like positive, negative, mixed, confused, hate, love, <laughs> probably yeah, both. To total, total love. Well, they, well the, the most common thing is that it is obviously a softer sounding instrument than, yeah. a, than a similar one in the same register, like a big violoncello that everybody's used to. Uh, but it has well it's just has its own dynamic range which is which is huge but just un well not 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 usual so it was i don't know maybe a year after i started playing it was my debut in the berlin philharmonic hall mm. with akamus academy academy for alte musik berlin and there we just we just found a found a balance and of course it was totally unexpected i've never played with orchestra nor in such a big hole before and uh, well obviously i couldn't i couldn't hear it from the side because no one else could could just play it <laughs> and mm -hmm. i had to rely on kind of on feedbacks and and they were 
as always mixed. Someone wants to hear every note. Someone doesn't need it. The, well, the common thing where we started is just the most need this two minutes of getting, well, to adjust their hearing and then it's no problem. It's just, it, it gets totally audible and, and pleasant mm. to listen as well as Mr. Matheson 300 almost years ago mentioned that the brilliance and the nice the clear articulation of the of this instrument obviously they work in uh, modern big halls even better yeah so that's 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 no problem well this summer i had well the chance where everybody looked for kind of safe locations for the concerts so i had a I had a concert in uh, on a car cinema. So basically, it's a big parking place with a built with a really nicely built stage, and and people could come with the, with their cars and tune mm. in with their radio. So I used this thing made by Eric Aceto, a pickup built in straight in the bridge, mm. and could uh, with the wireless thing could connect to the system. And you'll play wow. straight to to the car. Wow, and that allows you to play outdoors and sound you sound are. correct. Wow. Well, exactly, exactly. That yeah. that that was super cool. So basically, no no problem. Interesting. So listen, um, some time ago, I will happen to talk to a very talented musician and. Um, and he he happened to feel a little bit bitter uh, about certain promoters who uh, who told him actually they they told him that uh, look um, it, it's all right to be multi-talented if you are in Russia but in Europe this will never sell because we prefer specialists we want experts someone who is specializing in just one thing now you are I, I strongly disagree with this I absolutely don't um, believe that. Uh, this is this should be the case but you are someone playing all sorts of violins in all sorts of genres and mm. have you ever met that kind of um, yeah, yeah sure it's it's difficult it's it's difficult we are also the same even the most open-minded person does expect somebody well, from an expert to do basically this and only this mm. and taking as an absolute condition the, well, always, well, this guy is doing that great Mozart cadenza and this guy is just making this nice uh, pizzicato with his, with his hand, with his two fingers and everybody just wants to listen only that. And I'm afraid including us, <laughs> well, including myself. And well, and well, that's a different, different, I don't know, different genre. It's it's more difficult to to kind of to prove yourself equally serious, equally professional with with different things. But still, I I do. Uh, I'm a very narrow specialist. I just do this few instruments played on the shoulder, and uh, and deal mostly with classical music. So. Mm -hmm actually doesn't uh, yeah doesn't still still it is just fascinating because you're saying you're very narrow I, I definitely don't agree with that because you 
your repertoire, your scope of repertoire and ability to improvise in virtually any style, folk, jazz, classical, where put up a whole cadence on stage before 1,000 people in the concert hall. Wow, that's really amazing. So what is your favorite creativity hack? How do you function? What what is going on in your brain? Because there is a genius there inside. So how do you make it work? Yeah, I don't know. Just to... Well, it's a day. Well, it's a daily thing. Well, you want to get more in a kind of in an active interconnection with the piece. For example, if you really love it, and that's uh, that's a great that's a great way a method to kind of to improvise on it on and yeah. to kind of because just reading it from the score doesn't yet make you understand it and. For sure, that's the key to the to the door to really great music. If you can kind of understand the structure, meaning what sort of yeah, what sort of bricks is this building built of? Yeah, yeah. And then you can well, well, once once having these bricks, you can kind of build your own little little somethings. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, naturally, I happen to see lots of um, Spala players. Yeah, by the nature of my work, and um, I definitely do uh, spot some patterns when a new Spala player begins to discover this instrument, how they hold it, how they attach it, how they bow it, and the position of their hands. And f- from the perspective of the seventeen years of experience, of course, very easy for me to see. What are the things that need to be different done differently? But now, uh, I would love to, and the audience would definitely love to hear your thoughts on the playing technique of Vilanchel Spala. How 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 similar and how different is it from in comparison to violin viola? Playing. Not uh, not so much. I I would rather I I would say they are much more common things than mm-hmm. they are different. But obviously. There's a slightly different angle you play with your right hand the, compared to the violin, but the angle that you achieve with the violoncello, it's just much more natural. It's yeah. Somehow it's much more in the middle rather than a violin being a little sure. bit, well, making you kind of, I don't know, stretch or being not so cen- central. Yeah, twisted. So it's actually it's twisted. Yeah. Uh, it's mm. actually... It's Super, super easy. If you search for that ease, if you search for for the balanced, neutral position, and you don't really have to play Paganini Capriccio with that, nor mm-hmm. nor Bartok Viola Concerto, they are they are just much simpler things. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, that's very interesting what you said because that's exactly my feeling. When I come back to Violoncello da Spalla, I can take it literally and just sight read and play and just works easily with as yeah. i love to say with ease flow and freedom without any need to practice struggle and just i, I cannot do this with the violin you know so um, <laughs> for me to play the violin i mean and i'm not playing bartok or paganini the same kind of basic uh, baroque repertoire still i would have to put in a, f- and a good hour maybe even one hour and a half to practice to kind of re-remind myself of the violin playing technique. Now, I haven't done this for years now, and I haven't done it with the spell. When I take the spell, I just can play. 
Why? What is your opinion in that? On that? Why violential despair seem to be so much easier? I don't know. Well, the easiest, the first thought comes to me. We say, well, the sound is produced somewhere here, mm-hmm. and the contact point, the, the well, the the area uh-huh. where yeah. it sounds more or less okay is just. It's a much wider one, and the bow mm-hmm. is slightly shorter. <laughs> True. So there's less that can go wrong. Yeah. But maybe also there's slightly less repertoire, and the most of it you played so many times. Well, now I'm just inventing something. Yeah, but, I'm not, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not, not sure there is less repertoire because, of course, you can play cello repertoire and violin and viola repertoire, so you can do a lot of things, but. That makes total sense. Um, I never thought about it. Is that your point of uh, contact with the instrument is almost kind of in front of your heart, and it's kind no, of and it's also it's wider. No, it's wider. wider. Yeah. And in that in that lower register, mm, there is less kind of less scratchy things can happen that would mm. really bother you. And of course, True. the more bothered you are by like by this violin dangerous sound making the more tense you get and with mm-hmm. the cello it's just mm-hmm. the opposite mm-hmm. and so and some well in the lower register it's ex- well it's ex- actually expected that some notes won't won't answer and it's uh, it's just normal if you well once i well i remember struggling with that with my while well, doing some recordings, I just listened to the colleagues and then yeah, and understood uh-huh. that there's no problem. <laughs> Everybody uh-huh. is having that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It that actually helped me to a certain point in my um, career playing the violoncello, the spalla, or other, um, even other instruments. Uh, violin viola no but ma- with with violoncello despala so when the instrument was made and i was kind of comparing it willingly or unwillingly i was comparing it with violoncello with a normal violoncello of course it doesn't sound like a cello and there were certain things that i thought that, like they were problematic maybe they will probably not be accepted but then if you compare if you put it in the context with double bass with viol so there are things that are completely all right, acceptable, even charming on a vial, and that would be uh, considered to be an automatic flaw on violoncello, on the normal cello. And then it just kind of opened up my understanding of this whole scope of um, you know, overtones and timbres and colors of sound and expression that you can do uh, embrace with violoncello as well, which is so liberating, so inspiring, I found. Totally. Yeah. So when when you uh, touch the instrument, uh, uh, what is your technique at this point? How do you attach the instrument? Is it kind of yeah. um, uh, it goes around your neck? The belt goes around your neck, or, or does well, it I guess, go around I your guess shoulder? You taught me. You taught me that technique to yeah to kind of to uh, well to that, to that, that way. To I get see. It a little bit over your left mm-hmm. shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that they would be kind of three, are they three points, kind of a triangle that you can balance your cello be- between. It's it's here. Yep. And then it's your chin. Yep. And obviously your thumb. Thumb. So if you press, yes. you press it against. Yeah. Then it's in it's in a total balance. So you you, so you sometimes you, you can use. You don't have to use all three all the time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it's very well. It's very stable. 
At some point I did try to apply, well, a kind of a shoulder rest for the violin somewhere remember, uh -huh. here for, for the, well, for the shift. But no, I don't feel I need it anymore. Somehow, yeah. somehow is well, well balanced and, and yeah. feels rather yeah. secure. Very interesting. I, I remember we did discuss this uh, method of attaching the violoncello and using oh. the belt going around the shoulder. I was right. just not sure if you still keep that method or you have developed something better. So that's, <laughs> uh, I'm always uh, on the look out for uh, new ways of uh, attaching the instrument. And I'm still definitely ha very happy with that method of attaching the instrument. feels super sure. comfortable. Yeah. Let me check quickly our feed and see if anyone... Uh, asked any practical questions. Okay. Uh, hello, Dirk. Yes, Dirk, very fantastic, this masterclass with Sergei, August 2nd. Yep, in Antwerp, fantastic. Uh, there is a comment from uh, Pekka. Do you see this, Sergei? Sure. You could mention the recording of Bach Chelsea's number six uh, for the Netherlands Bach Society project. Well, um, maybe, yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's already kind of out, but... Yes. I'd rather mention uh, well both this because well this from uh, well from the CD it just became a a logo and label of mine called Spallenmann, meaning lovely. Uh, well having the instrument and uh, but also my name in it with letters S and M, and that's a pretty unique stuff where you've got all the six cello suites by Bach on one single CD. Brilliant. Listen, uh, Sergey, I have an idea. Uh, we will turn this broadcast, live broadcast into an episode on Luthiers and Legacy podcast Good. as well. Yeah, so this broadcast on Facebook will go to Luthiers and Legacy podcast. And in the description of the podcast, we are going to put a link to, um, to that CD or anything else that you would like to promote and sell. Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, yeah, okay. I, I see there are no more questions. Wow, there are 15 people online. Fantastic, guys. I really appreciate your engagement. So, um Please do comment below if you are players or makers. Also, please comment Violoncello de Spala Consult if you would like to build a Violoncello de Spala using the method, the model that I've been refining over the course of 17 years. If you have um, uh, the desire, uh, then definitely we can uh, crack on and make it happen. And yes, additionally, I would like also to ask a, a question. You see this idea, this dream of uh, creating a beautiful live event with Sergei. And a number of uh, players from all around the world, from also makers, uh, has been sitting in my mind since a long while. Since, in fact, si since two years, since the time uh, we have uh, created that live event on Lanzarote, where there were a few Vilnchal Spala makers, and we were uh, discussing all different kinds of things uh, uh, pertaining to the fine art of instrument making. And since then, actually, Sergei, I was thinking about uh, creating a live event where musicians would also come and hopefully join, uh, enjoy learning from you how to play Vilnchal das Pala. What would you think, what would you say about this idea? Yeah, particularly on Lanzarote. Wouldn't... Lanzarote, uh, amazing place, absolutely amazing place. I want to share a little story with, with you and with our uh, viewers and listeners how I discovered that Lanzarote place. Uh, I was crossing the Atlantic Ocean on a beautiful sailing boat. So we were sailing all the way from Gibraltar to Lanzarote. Mm -hmm. uh, that is about two years and a half ago. 
And well, imagine uh, three days, three nights in the middle of Atlantic is just uh, water and sky. And in the night, of course, Milky Way, so many stars like you have never seen in your entire life. Unbelievable. But the water is still a black pitch. And then every now and then you are surrounded by hundreds of dolphins. And these dolphins, no, you, you don't really see them because they are black and water is black. But you'd see their silhouettes because as they, you know, jump out, jump out or just uh, uh, swim through the water at the incredible speed, they excite plankton. And this plankton is a shining, this eerie bluish green mm -hmm. color. And when they jump out from the water and plunge back into the ocean, they're like literally like fireworks all around this, yeah. the boat. Like, wow, unbelievable. It's nothing more beautiful than that. And uh, well, one morning um, I woke up and I woke uh, out on deck of this uh, of the sailing boat, and I saw dolphins, saw whales, even beautiful flying flying fish, flying calamari. It's just an incredible story. And on the horizon, this island of unbelievable beauty, and it was almost uninhabitable. Lanzarote is barely inhabited. So you know, after a whole day of sailing, we docked in Lanzarote. And uh, my crew went for a walk. They rented a car, so they would they took a ride. Uh, they took a ride around the, the island, and I went for a walk. And it's like millions of years ago, billions of years ago. It's like not a sign of civilization, like just rocky mountains, beautiful place. <laughs> and on the way back to the marina, I saw a resort, a beautiful hotel by the ocean. So I walked into the resort and then I told the guys, hey, maybe I would like to host an event here. And they were very friendly. They took me all around. They showed me the room. They showed me the conference room. And I said, yeah, this is incredible. I'm 100% going to host an event here. And cool. six months later, we were there. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> including, including Eric Asito, who made the pickup for you. Yeah, so... That would be beautiful to create something like this. Guys, if you feel that idea of Masterclass with Sergey is a good idea, please type in the in the comments Masterclass so that we know how many people are potentially interested in that. <laughs> so, uh, Sergey, coming to repertoire choices, how do you decide what is suitable, what is not suitable for Violoncello <laughs> de Spalla? Yeah, by just by trying, and okay. uh, the answer is sometimes different. For example, I waited for now eight years to to play the arpeggione by Schubert. As we yes. know, that's another special kind of dead-born instrument, and the most incredible piece, pretty one and only piece for this. But should it be the only only instrument since the music is so great i enjoyed all these years playing it on viola and i thought it's just it's too difficult it's clearly too difficult for the cellists and they just uh -huh. struggle too much and never achieve the real ease that is written in this piece so probably i don't know eventually i just achieved this uh, ease playing on the instrument or just well the time came and uh, with Georgi Chaidze, we made a, in the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. we made this real sort of house music style at his home yeah. uh, video. I truly recommend it. I really like how 
this is a wonderful recording. Anyone who have not heard that recording uh, <laughs> definitely should find. And I have an idea, Sergey. But sorry, I interrupted you. I have an idea. We maybe, if you if you are fine with that, we might just uh, glue this video into this broadcast when it goes live on a podcast, so that we can actually yep. listen that recording. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. hmm. Let me check the feed if there are any questions. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Uh, hello, Kaga. Hello, Eric. You are interested in masterclass? Of course, you are. You are so successful, instrument maker. And hello, Magnus. Again, moving from 450 to 450 for the complete recording. So, yes, again, what could you say about uh, using different pitches on violoncello da spalla? You are. Uh, what can I say? You should be. Well, I am completely open for different different tunings and, and and pitches depending on uh on what is needed so they are more modern orchestras i'm encountering with that instrument so why should they all switch to 415 if it's no problem for me to play on 440 but also the instrument with this strings with how it works just sounds more brilliant and more more responding more loud that's the kind of the well Mm -hmm. the yeah the least noble argument but indeed that's what we need for projecting better we need a higher tension with 440 it's a higher tension and i was never willing to kind of to be uh, like historically informed until the last uh, until the last detail for mm. me it's much more a modern story so okay on one side i try to be as informed as I can to get the spirit, to get the possible, well, how it should have sounded. But after that, the next step and the more important one, what do we need to make it uh, suitable, interesting, thrilling, I don't know, well, working nowadays in, in modern halls for modern public. In, well, in this, in this still, different situations so the questions with repeat or not repeat play all the suites or just one hmm. play on fif 15 or 40 must be answered differently than 300 years ago yeah i see um before i ask you the last uh, question on this masterclass, let me check one more time the feed and the questions from our participants so I don't see uh, the questions. So I would like to ask you last question, Sergei. So uh, a big question, maybe. Um, maybe not so a simple question uh, and definitely a deep question. What is Violoncello da Spala? What is the big picture for you? What Violoncello da Spala is for you? I guess let's make a big picture. <laughs> this <is> yes, <laughs> this is it. And yeah. if you turn it around, you can still see... Well, it's made of two pieces, but it's still in one piece. It was never always like this. <laughs> <laughs> Once it indeed broke its back, but you brought it back. And we now still can enjoy playing Bach. I still so, have those two backs uh, at my yeah. workshop. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. That's just, it's just made our union uh, even more, even more close. 
So instrument is always an instrument. Mm, it's just it, on one side it's just an instrument. Um, so instrument to achieve something well something yeah something very special because well music is is um, doesn't have any body yeah it's corpless and and still uh, yeah and once once it's played it's gone so that's the rather magical part about it and then you have this pretty you are pretty rather large um, piece of of wood and uh, while well, still producing this gentle and really special sound so it's a lot of uh, yeah a lot of d different different stuff so it's yes it's very down to earth but also it's such an incredible well how to say medium to something that we mm. can't can't describe so uh, i love your uh, perception of the of your black uh, bridge yeah. and basically why is it black and i loved your answer for you to ask and then uh, sort of there's this wonderful story you can you can tell it be behind the kabulka cheval <laughs> And its mystical, uh, mystical role basically, because it transforms this kind of waves in this kind of waves. Yeah. That well, in a result of which we've got this sound. Uh, and the well, the 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 mystery behind this simple physical effect is just such a thrilling one. So, what a great idea to just. To uh, well, to to make it look different and to put people's attention on something that is aha, uh -huh, that is not unusual. But also on the other hand, it's not as superficial because well, the color of the bridge is just for you, I guess. It's a part of a much bigger concept, which is not only musical but also aesthetical um, concept. Since we say well, this is yeah, this looks really. It starts always with wow! It looks very special and beautiful and un uh, well unusual. So let's hear how it sounds. So bravo, Dima! You just indeed well created a cool, a whole new culture world, and I I love being part of it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, definitely. Uh, thanks to you as well, and uh, so uh, many other people involved in this project that um, um, it was uh, it was revived. You know, there is this uh, amazing 500 members group. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, I couldn't have imagined in my in the wildest imagination that there would be 500 <laughs> group of this pile of funds. <laughs> and it's a very beautiful story that you have just shared. It's essentially yes. Uh, uh, by sharing that story, by sharing these stories, we have just created a bridge between between us, our viewers, our audiences, and that's what musicians can also do. Definitely by sharing stories, musically and verbally, uh, build bridges between um, between communities, between themselves and um, others. Yeah, beautiful. So, uh, well, I will uh, leave our um, viewers and our listeners with uh, that. Thank you very much, everyone who participated, who commented on this live uh, broadcast 
and uh, we wish you a massive success in anything you do and uh, feel free to comment below if you have still any questions after this broadcast yeah all the best
So, dear friend, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do let us know what did you like, and do let us know what would you like me to cover in the future episodes on Luthiers and Legacy podcast. And here is one more thing: write a review on any one of the episodes and post it on social with the tag Dmitry Badyarov, so that I can find your review in order to win a free 15-minute consultation call. We will get on the call and discuss your instrument making business and see what you could potentially change to take your instrument making business to yet another level. All you have to do is write a review, post it on social with the tag Dimitri Badyarov in your review. And for today's episode, that is all. I wish you massive success in your career. Let's do it together. Let's change things. Let's shake things up and let's build a legacy at Bench. See you in the next show.